0: You are tuned to Listen and Response at Radio, WBAI in New York. The preceding program is brought to you live with portions on recording. Our next scheduled program, Primary Sources with Peter Wilson, will be heard in just a moment. Please do stay tuned.
1: Azzar jaan girami Fidae naam Ali Azzar jaan girami Fidae naam Ali Haydariyam Haydariyam Karandaram Banda re murda hastam.
0: Ah, good morning. I finally remembered to say good morning instead of good evening. This is Peter Lamborn Wilson, Primary Sources. I'm still sitting in for James Ursay. I have no idea when James is getting back. I'm beginning to get a little worried, to tell you the truth. That uh, is Pakistani Kowali music that you were listening to. And I'm uh, embarrassed to say I can't tell you the name of the group. I did not make a note. It's another homemade tape that I got from a friend. But um, I love uh, I love the uh, Kowali music of North India. I was just talking with uh, one of Citizens' guests on the way out, I forget his name, the musician who was here, about um, the harmonium in that music. Uh, all uh, popular religious music in India, almost all popular religious India, uh, music in India these days, has the harmonium in it. It's a sort of a squeeze box, accordion-like, keyboard accordion-like uh, instrument. And uh, the place of that instrument used to be taken by the sarangi, which is a bowed, uh, fretted bowed instrument which uh, could play all the microtones, just like the voice. So you could have the serangi would either exactly imitate the voice, or the voice would imitate the serangi, or they would go off in microtonal variations to each other. It was a much deeper, richer musical experience. And the harmonium is uh, kind of tended to flatten it out in a um, well, I don't think in a bad way. I still like the music. And I, in fact, I even like the harmonium. I'm not saying it's a it's a, a nasty instrument that should be banned from Indian music. But there has been a falling off of complexity here at WBAI FM, 99.5 in New York. <coughs> Tonight, we're going to uh, try to continue talking about chaos, quantum mechanics, chaos theory, and Sufism. But... Um, in fact, I, I was hoping to be able to plunge right into that subject because I uh, have a sinking sensation. I won't even manage to get to the bottom of it tonight. I brought an immense amount of um, uh, books with me, big pile of books. Just switching earphones here because those earphones sounded very strange. I think this is better. Um, my shoulder hurts from all the books I've been carrying down here for you. I suppose I should have Xeroxed the relevant pages, but uh, anyway. So there is (coughs) quite a lot of mail, and I couldn't possibly read all these letters. One person seems to have written me a 50-page letter. Um, I haven't even begun to read that. Um, Lots of mail. I I do appreciate it, and if I don't answer, if I don't say anything to your letter in particular, it could be because I intend to answer it personally or... um, or it was too personal to read over the air, or whatever. I'm glad to say most people seem to think I'm doing a a pretty okay job, and even uh, some people are kind enough to say that I should have my own show even when James gets back. Well, that's an interesting thought. I don't know exactly what all my opinion on that would be. Uh, I would like to keep my hand in at this. Uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm getting a, a very large charge out of it. Um, once a week is a bit uh, a bit exhausting in the sense that I find uh, I'm using up my best inspiration. I'm giving my best to you and not saving anything for the written word. And I do, uh, do think of myself primarily as a writer rather than a radio person. I've scarcely written a thing this summer since I started doing the show because uh, every good idea I have, I think to myself, oh, I'll say something about that over BAI. And in whereas I used to say, oh, let me make a note of that, make it into an article or something. So there's pros and cons, but on the whole, it's been fabulous. And I'd like to keep my uh, foot in the door in some way or another. Maybe James could let me sort of co-host one of his shows every once in a while, if nothing, if nothing more. Well, just taking a real quick, brief look at the mail here, someone wants, a couple of people wanted me to repeat the address of Chaos Magazine. And I'm sorry to say, I don't have a copy with me this week, but uh, I will try to remember to um, bring that address with me next week. Uh, Just a a brief um, announcement for the symphony space on Broadway at 95th Street. They are having um, a free party to kick off their 10th anniversary season on Sunday, September 27th, free open house uh, from 2 to 7 p.m. So go on up there, check them out. They're uh, one of the last cultural remnants in my neighborhood, and I, I feel they're, they're worthy of support because um, otherwise the Upper West Side is becoming a cultural wasteland. The Upper Dead Side. Really, it didn't used to be that way. There's a nice letter from someone who appears to be an occultist. Oh, yes, they also wanted to know about chaos. All right, I, uh, I do promise to bring it next week. Oh, and they asked about Antarctica. and I just thought I'd tell you the party in Antarctica, it went off very successfully. Um, everybody I've spoken to agrees with me that there seem to have been thousands and thousands of people there on the astral plane in Antarctica at Cape Longing on the Palmer Peninsula, and uh, I had only expected, uh, well, maybe if more than a dozen, but uh, at, m- at the most a couple of hundred people to show up. But instead it seemed like there were thousands and thousands of souls there. And a couple other friends in New York that I've spoken to already agree with me. So my theory is that everyone who heard about the party, uh, whether they intended to be there or not, or whether they were even aware of, of being there, were, on some level of their being, there. And in fact, I would even go farther than that and speculate that everyone who hears about the party in the future and thinks to themselves, gee, I wonder what it would have been like if I had been there, will flash back through time and uh, be there. After all, why can't you do time travel on the astral? I'm sure you can. And, uh, This would explain why there's so many thousands of people there. I can only hope that not all of them will write 20-page essays about their experiences. Otherwise, it's not going to be easy for me to publish, uh, or I should say easy for the, uh, for the for the several people who are involved in uh, publishing the record, the Akashic record of the, of the Astral Convention. Oh, this is this 40-page letter that somebody's written. I do appreciate it. I hope I can... Uh, answer it. Another announcement on the anarchist front, a new, a new catalog is out from the Mackay Society, which is uh, pretty much the only um, purveyor of books on the subject of individualist anarchism that I know of, and they're right here in New York, and you can send away for the new catalog to the Mackay Society, M-A-C-K-A-Y, Box 131, Ansonia Station, New York 10023. That's box 131-10023. A lot of interesting stuff from very little-known writers. And uh, did I mention over the air the new book about Benjamin Tucker that came out? uh, That's a book that you could get through the Mackay Society if you're at all interested in the American individualist anarchist tradition. Very neat uh, collection of essays on Benjamin Tucker that... um, It wasn't published by the Mackay Society, but uh, some of the same people were involved, and it's being purveyed now by them and (coughs) should help towards uh, a revitalization of interest in this lesser-known aspect of anarchist thought and action in the past, about which perhaps I'll have something to say someday. Uh, another, a zine that I was just handed a copy of tonight. On Gogol Boulevard, it's called, G-O-G-O-L. On Gogol Boulevard is the title. It's the networking bulletin for activists East and West, and it's sponsored, it's put out by by the group called Neither East Nor West. And, um, this is a group that I find very interesting. Their ideas are, uh extremely good. They are associated with the independent, that is the non-government peace movement in the USSR. Um, They're very interested in uh, uh, the sort of, they're the successors to the Helsinki Watch, if you remember uh, what that was. Uh, They don't get a lot of publicity. They're not very well known. and, And obviously, I think it would be fair to say that the Soviets do not have any interest in publicizing their activities since they are non-governmental. And uh, the idea of the group, neither East nor West, and the idea behind this zine is that um, true peace will be realized through person-to-person contact between human beings uh, here and there in the world aside from whatever their national um, national identity or lack of identity might be. and that may sound very idealistic, but then again, sometimes the impossible is the only thing worth striving for. Uh, and I would, as rec- it looks to me, I haven't had a chance to go over it, it looks to me like a very nicely put-together zine. Uh, plenty of uh, amusement and humor in it, aside from current events of interest to uh, radical peaceniks. So I recommend it highly, even though I haven't looked at it all that carefully yet. <clears throat> the address is 151 First Avenue, 151 First Avenue, number 62, New York, New York, 10003. Isn't that that mail drop? Yeah, that's that uh, sort of ultra hip mailing address that everybody uh is trying to get these days. Another zine just came out, Aqua, which stands for oh dear AnarchoQueers, something something. Oh God, I've forgotten here. I I did know. And of course, you know, if you know anything about zines, you know it's always very hard to extract information like addresses and uh, the names of editors and things like that. This zine is put out by Brew Dye, who was the editor of the old Seditious Delicious, which I always thought was the finest poetry zine on the underground. And this is what he's doing now. This is only issue number two. Uh, And I'm sorry, the first, the uh, AQ part of Aqua stands for anarcho-queers. That's all I can remember. Um, Has a lot of good, really good art in it. Very interesting articles. Um, An attack on Bob Black for being uh, a homophobe anti-feminist, which I think is perhaps a bit overdone. Although it makes some points. But uh, there's a lot of other good stuff in it. Once again, a lot of entertaining things as well as uh, serious stuff. The address is AQUA, A-Q-U-A, P.O. Box 1251, Canal Street Station, New York 10013, 10013, that's a good one, the cover is extremely nice. Here's a communique from a person who does a zine in Brazil. It's called The Opener. I saw a copy of this some time ago, and I thought it was some of the most bizarre stuff I have ever, ever seen. So I wrote to the guy and sent him some things in trade. And months and months later comes back this copy of The Opener, which is subtitled Delirious Trash of the Idiomotor Movement. Right? I'll just read you a little bit of this guy's rap here. From everlasting quanta, inging in present continuous tense, the only real dimension. Quanta, a theocracy where each resident is a prime minister, is being planned to be built in a secret South American place. If you want to be a resident and a builder, you just need one to recognize that you are a fruitarian being. Then there's some other points. Oh, this is a nice one. You have to meditate at what will happen to a cow herd, spelled H-E-A-R-D, if it was stupid enough to eat hot dogs, ketchup, coke, and aspirins instead of grass. (laughs) Uh, um, I I really don't know what Dr. Regis Barbier is up to in, in this life. His letter is equally hard to understand. Here he introduces himself as a nut a nut, a true believer, thinking that real is illusion, that the whole stuff is a re-illusion, and that he got the way to illusion the real beforehand. He is now working in a mad and secret project to take over the Ruritania within, if years from now, to start a new country. South America is the cradle of the new dream, a good dream for all of us, a quantic one. If this sounds like you... Uh, write to Régis Alain Barbier. I'm, I don't know. I'm pronouncing it as if it were a French name, but I presume it is... Uh, well, maybe he is French. Anyway, that's R-E-G-I-S-A-L-A-I-N-B-A-R-B-I-E-R. Uh, Rua, I guess, in Portuguese. R-U-A. Democrito de Souza Filho. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing this disgustingly. Um, Democrito de S-O-U-Z-A, Filho, comma two hundred thirty five Madalena M A D A L E N A Recife if if that's the way you say it R E C I F E fifty thousand five O point that is Pernambuco P E R A N B U C O Brazil And again, you know the usual, as they say, send him something in trade, or send him all your life earnings, or send him something. Um. Here's a here's an excellent zine. I think I may have even mentioned this before, but I'll mention it again because there's a new issue out. It's called Live from the Stagger Cafe. And it's edited by Luke McGuff, who's a well known figure in Zine World. And uh, the exciting um, idea behind this is to combine radical politics with radical science fiction. And uh, in this issue, there are stories or art or whatever by Freddie Bear, um, Misha Chocholak, uh, Hakim Bey, Luna Tix, who's a quite a good punk cartoonist. Um, The editor himself was quite good. Uh, I'm just telling you people that I recognize. I noticed that uh, there's something in there from Rudy Rucker, too. Maybe it's only a letter. Um, But he always has good people. Live from the Stagger Cafe. I don't know the significance of the title. Post Office Box 3680. Minneapolis, Minnesota. 55403. This one I this one's getting to be one of my favorites. I think the cover the cover looks like Freddie Bear's work. She's uh, a very good collagist whose work shows up in many places. Very important event, the latest issue of Fact Sheet 5. Um edited by Mike Gunderloy, which, uh, as I've, if I've told you once, I've told you a thousand times, is the indispensable companion to Zine World. If you don't subscribe to Fact Sheet 5, you just aren't part of Zine World. This issue has 60, 69 pages, hmm, 69 pages of incredibly painfully small print I have no idea how many zines Mike has managed to review in this issue but he usually he usually does about 2 or 300 per issue I think. Um, just give you I'll just read you one or two of his little uh, little one paragraph reviews so you get an idea of what he does. All right, here for example, he's talking about one called Alternative Fiction and Poetry. I turn to the A's. He says, "An up-and-coming literary zine with nifty graphics by the likes of Jim Woodring, Donna Cassi and Larry Oberk." the showcased fiction in this ish is abraham rodriguez's babies a dialect tale of hatching kids in the worst drug sodden slum you can imagine also no- notable is mikhail ann's bystander an irreality a stylistic collection of words that hints around meaning without actually getting to one um, Backbrain Recluse, a new wavish science fiction zine. The first two stories in number eight drove me mad with ellipsis mania. But then the third, M- Moon Madness by Mark Illes, broke the spell by casting a haunting one of its own. Um, other, other stories are mentioned. The graphics are simply stunning. One of the better fiction zines around. So that's the kind of thing Mike does, but he goes, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. There's 17... Uh, zines reviewed on page 11 and as I say they're 69 pages so th- you, you can't do without this and you can't do without the back issues either and if you publish a zine yourself Mike will sell you his mailing list which I think is now up to 1500 names or thereabouts of serious xenoids. not just um, people uh, names pl- plucked out of telephone books but people who have been proven to, to buy and trade zines like their lives depended on it the real hardcore of the zine movement and uh all of this is accessible to you if you just get hold of this one publication fact sheet five from six arizona avenue rensselaer r-e-n-s-s-e-l-a-e-r new york one two one four 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 five oh two I know I'm not allowed to tell you what things cost and it's a sort of a bother because it's not as if I were actually advertising this stuff in the sense that, uh, um, you know, that that we talk about advertisements. I'm just recommending it to you and it would be a help if I could tell you how much it costs, I think. But anyway, I won't break the rules. So much for uh, the mailbag and the zine world. We did manage to rush through all that particular heap of, uh, of bump in a pretty good time. And now we will plunge into chaos again, which we started last week with a, uh, a, uh, a long take on quantum reality, if you'll remember, a meditation on uh, the book by that name, of that name, by Nick Herbert, uh, which I recommend very highly since then by the way i should add that several people have gotten in touch with me to send me lo- their own long articles on quantum mechanics i appreciate it I haven't had a chance to look at anything really yet um but uh, i'm always always glad to be in touch with people who are thinking about the same things i am so uh, i'm certainly not discouraging you from sending me things just because i haven't had a chance to read them and react to them yet As I think I might have mentioned to you, I believe I'm supposed to go to California and give a lecture on this subject, but I still have not received my ticket. So I don't know. And uh, on top of not knowing when James is getting back, or if James is getting back, it's all rather confusing. And I don't know whether I'm going to be with you next week, in person anyway. We might, uh, might have to do something like play an old show or cobble together something out of Various tapes, highlights of past, of the past summer, something like that. I hope not. Um, uh, the, the ideal thing would be if James would come back this week. That would be ideal. Let's all think. Uh, let's all think together now. Let's all send astral projections to James and Israel. Come back. Come back. We need you. I read an excellent book this week, um, which is a little bit off the subject, but uh, I'll just give you a take on this book in terms of what we've been talking about. The book is called Stephen Hawking's Universe, An Introduction to the Most Remarkable Scientist of Our Time. Um, Mm -hmm. Well I don't know. He certainly is a remarkable dude, there's no doubt about that, by John Boslow, B-O-S-L-O-U-G-H, published by William Morrow and Company, just came out, couldn't resist it because I've seen uh, Hawking on, on uh, PBS or, or that kind of thing a few times. You may have seen him, too. He's uh, He suffers from Lou Gehrig's disease, and he's completely confined to a wheelchair, and his speech is so distorted that only a few close associates can understand him, and they have to translate for him when he speaks in public, which he does all the time because he's a very active and cheerful person. And uh, he's he's this wizened little little guy who never moves just his lips kind of move and every once in a while one of his hands will twitch and uh inside his brain is definitely going on a lot of remarkable stuff the author the author to this book says he's a uh, living proof that uh, you can survive as a as a brain and almost nothing but a brain because according to the doctors this man should have been dead several times over and heaven's knows i, uh, I i'm the first person to take my hat off metaphorically speaking to uh, a beautiful courage like that I, I consider the the, uh, the guy a beautiful person um, however I have to say that his uh, now that I now that I've finally gotten I think a sort of a grasp on what he's doing through this book uh, I have a feeling I'm not in the same camp as he is and his followers when it comes to quantum mechanics chaos theory theories of the universe and so on basically what Hawking is trying to do is still to come up with the grand unified field theory, uh, or gut, as it's, as it's called in the trade, <laughs> rather unpleasantly. Um, in other words, he's, uh, he's, he considers himself or would be considered the intellectual heir of Einstein. Apparently, his office is full of pictures of Einstein. Wouldn't be wouldn't be surprising if, in fact, he, if he, he, that he does consider himself such, although he's cagey about it. He doesn't apparently want to admit it. But basically, he, uh, he's perfectly <clears throat> willing to accept uh, the, the classical comeback to Einstein's complaint about quantum mechanics. Einstein said uh, that he couldn't believe in a god who played dice with the universe, and I think it was John Wheeler who said, not only does god apparently play dice with the universe, but sometimes throws them where we can't find them. Or it might have been Hawking himself who said that, uh, in reference to black holes, in other words, he's saying that certain certain particles disappear into black holes, and we can't see them anymore. We have no uh, no way of knowing whether they, in fact, exist in any meaningful way. Uh, black holes are one of Hawking's big things. He feels that, uh, that the the key to whatever it, whatever it is he's doing on the physical plane will be uh, somehow will be found in the uh, phenomena by studying the phenomena of the black holes which, uh, as you may or may not know, are collapsing stars in which the density of the stellar material as it's Im- compacted uh, becomes so, so great that um, the force of gravity pulls everything towards this object, including light itself eventually, so that there's, um, so that no light can escape. And since no light can escape, virtually we have no information about what happens inside a black hole. Um, the uh the point at which the light vanishes is called the event horizon a phrase i've always liked and was it was it frederick Pohl who wrote the book beyond the blue event horizon <laughs> a lovely title um uh hawking hawking has uh, theories about what goes on in the uh, on the event horizon what goes on inside a black hole and um he is definitely a monist in the sense that we were talking uh, about last week, he would—he's on the side of the monists, not—not not the dualists in any sense. But it's a different kind of monism than you, than you would find in in uh, in quantum theory, if I can use that term, or uh, or chaos theory. In other words, he wants to reduce all the the fo- the four known forces in the universe—the weak force, the strong force, gravity, and electromagnetism—to a single set of theorems which would give you the which would give the field the field theory that Einstein was looking for and would in effect explain everything and there's a very very peculiar appendix to this book a little speech that Hawking gave in which he said is the end of physics in sight and predicted that within 20 years perhaps all the 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 major questions about the nature of reality would have been answered and that as he put it physics uh, theoretical physics would become rather dull uh, now, <coughs> this kind of optimism, if you can call it that, has happened before. Before in the history of science, um, in the 18th century, there were people going around saying, "Oh, it won't be." T-